Chapter Eleven of Overruled by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: A Series of Blunders. Meantime, Ralph Bramlett, unmindful of the distressed watcher at the window, strode off down the street, bent on the desire of his heart. When was Ralph Bramlett bent on anything else save his own desires? It was now some months since Mrs. Edmonds and her daughter had reached home, and Marjorie, if she had not made much headway in the work that she wanted to accomplish, had at least seen more or less of Ralph. This, however, had been the result apparently of accident, certainly without design on her part. To all appearance, Ralph was a more regular churchgoer than his sister-in-law had led her to suppose and invariably he and his wife joined her mother and herself for the homeward walk keeping directly behind them ralph at least eager to enlist them in conversation several times it had occurred that in crossing the streets the couples would of necessity become separated and again without apparent design it would be found that when they came together ralph was beside marjorie leaving his wife to walk with her mother this arrangement tried mrs edmonds more than she would have cared to express but it was apparently so purely an accident that nothing could be said then too the number of times in which marjorie had met ralph bramlett on the train and travelled homeward in his company were surprising when she recalled them she had carefully avoided what was supposed to be his regular train lest he should get the idea that she was trying to stand guard over him in any way but take whatever train from town she would he was nearly certain to have chosen the same one in her innocence it did not occur to her that he had skilful ways of possessing himself of her intentions a like experience had been hers a number of times when she had arranged to spend an hour or two with his wife it was sure to be the day in which he surprised his wife by coming home early in these and various other ways she had certainly seen much of ralph bramlett yet she could not feel that any good results had followed unquestionably ralph was glad to talk with her and upon any subject that she chose to bring forward moreover he took high ground on all these subjects either his sister-in-law had been deceived in regard to him or else he talked in this strain from force of habit marjorie sadly feared that the latter was the case because from her standpoint a man could not be growing spiritually and maintain a position in a distillery the original plan that she had formed of reaching and helping him through his wife seemed a failure although she had made extraordinary efforts to establish herself on a familiar footing with mrs bramlett that the intimacy of their girlhood warranted she found herself constantly held at a distance she puzzled over the reasons for this with the single exception of a few months before her marriage during which time marjorie had decided that she was so absorbed in her new relations and future prospects as to be indifferent to all former interests estelle douglas had always shown not only a willingness but an eagerness to be on intimate terms with marjorie why had she changed so utterly studying the question with utmost care marjorie's only conclusion was that mrs bramlett so felt her dignity as matron and mistress of a home of her own that she was prepared to resent anything which foreshadowed possible advice or suggestion of any sort so although there were some points on which she would have liked to advise her 
marjorie carefully held herself from all such temptations she realized from hints that estelle had dropped that the young wife had to endure more or less advice from her sister-in-law perhaps this made her suspicious of others at least it was the only solution that this young woman who could be very stupid on occasion could furnish on the evening in question marjorie chanced to be seated quite alone in their cheery parlor her mother being closeted in the dining-room with a poor woman who had a tale of woe to pour out intended for no ears but hers when therefore the little maid whose duty it was announced mr bramlett it was marjorie who advanced to meet him alone she said inquiringly where is estelle i recognized your voice in the hall and hoped you had both come to spend the evening i am alone he said how is estelle not ill i hope but of course she is not else you would not be here why did not this pleasant weather evening coax her out i did not bring her was his brief reply then is it a pleasant evening i did not know i am too weary in body and soul to take note of weather though it is pleasant here what a charming home you have marjorie i remember it of course i remember every detail of the rooms sometimes i think of it as paradise lost marjorie gave him a swift anxious glance certain rumors had come to her from time to time as to his being much embarrassed about money matters but she had given slight heed to them there was always gossip afloat that had little or no foundation but on this evening as she saw his troubled face and listened to his dreary words she wondered whether it could be that he was in such trouble financially as to make the carefree days of his younger life seem almost like a paradise lost i want to talk with you he said drawing forward a chair for her and sinking into one near it i am glad to find you alone it seemed to me that i must talk to somebody or go wild oh ralph she said in tones of earnest sympathy what is the matter here was evidently some trouble from which he meant to shield his wife and from sheer force of habit had come to his old friend she would not fail him he hesitated just what was the matter or rather what did he mean to say to her it was not exactly sympathy of which he had come in search but directly he stepped into that sympathetic atmosphere the desire for it overpowered him everything is the matter he said tragically nothing is as it should be in this world did you know it then he laughed cynically and added you live a safe sheltered life do you not marjorie shut away from the disagreeable of every sort well i am glad that is as it should be the sentence closed with a heavy sigh and in a tone which hinted that a great deal more might be said were he at liberty to say it of course he was referring to business embarrassments marjorie had not supposed that to a salaried man these could be very serious after a moment's silence during which she reflected what it was best to say she resolved upon a bold stroke ralph at the risk of seeming to be unsympathetic i will confess that i do not feel so sorry for your business troubles as perhaps you think one ought 
if i were to speak quite the truth i would confess that my strongest wish for you is that they should become so great as to cause you to break at once and forever from all association however remote with the liquor traffic i am sure it must be a business that must be distasteful to you in every way i know you will forgive my plain speaking i have never been able to look with any degree of endurance upon the position which you now occupy the only thought i have had in connection with it has been one of pain and disappointment it is not because you did not study for a profession she added hurriedly i do not mean in the least that i consider a clerkship beneath you or that it was other than the honourable course if it seemed necessary to you at the time to earn money immediately but some other clerkship than the one you hold is surely possible there are so many honourable places waiting for men like you i shall have to confess that if your present position were so distasteful to you as to cause you to leave it to-morrow i could only be glad she stopped abruptly the young man's face looked so hopelessly dark as to oppress her with the fear that this was after all no time to broach this subject you ought to be satisfied with it he said gloomily you are to blame for my occupying it she gave a little inward start this was the first attempt that he had made to refer to the peculiar relations which they used to sustain toward each other in their reference to the past both had gone way back to the time when they were schoolmates the sentence pained her more deeply than he could imagine must she add yet this to the number of ways in which she had influenced others to their injury perhaps if she had not allowed her girlish sense of dignity to take such full possession of her and had remained his friend during those early beginnings of their misunderstanding she might have saved him from this mistake but of what use to mention it now it would be better for him not to talk about it she was silent and distressed he also realized that he had struck a wrong note you surely understand he said at last determined to ignore his blunder how a man who has made a false step in life and who yet has a family of his own to care for to say nothing of his father and mother finds it difficult in fact finds it impossible to retrace his steps i may not approve of my work i may hate it indeed yet it is all i have to depend upon and i must abide by the position in which my folly has placed me his listener's face brightened visibly he did hate it then his conscience was not at rest and this accounted for much of the gloom his face was wearing she spoke with intense earnestness no ralph no what would become of any of us if we could never take back false steps i can understand how hard it was for you at the time feeling perhaps that your father needed help and i can imagine some of the specious reasons that may have been brought to bear upon you i have heard them advanced since but i am sure that your conscience has long ago told you how false they were throw up the position ralph do it at once your friends will rally around you why no one will be more rejoiced over it than your father i heard him but a few weeks ago expressing the strength of his feeling on the liquor question and estelle i am sure will rejoice in it she will feel that your truest manhood has reasserted itself as for any temporary embarrassment that there may be while you are getting established in a new business 
we your friends will be she stopped abruptly distressed over his rapidly darkening face ralph bramlett was a proud man it was a bitter trial to have marjorie edmonds offer him pecuniary assistance excuse me he said coldly there are some things that even i cannot bear and while we are upon the subject i may as well say to you that you are utterly mistaken in some of your premises my wife is the last person who would counsel me to give up a certainty meagre as she considers it for a fanatical idea as she would be sure to call it she is the last person who would help me in any way i tell you marjorie that you do not know what i have to endure i have made an awful an irreparable blunder in my life and i am miserable there was no sympathy now in marjorie's face only cold indignation her voice expressed it promptly you are making a very serious blunder now you are criticizing your wife and allowing yourself to speak words concerning her that the vows you have taken ought to make you ashamed to utter he saw his mistake and made haste to try to cover it i beg your pardon marjorie of course i ought not to have spoken it is the last thing i meant to say but indeed i am so nearly beside myself at times that i wonder i do not go wild i want you to forget it believe me i did not come here to say anything of this kind i mean to live my life as best i can and keep my misery to myself i came to talk with you about other matters and i do not know how i could so far forget myself it was almost the first word of self-rebuke that ralph bramlett had ever been known to utter miserable as was the occasion was there not a shadow of encouragement in it marjorie was silent from very doubt of what ought to be said the next moment the sliding doors were rolled back and mrs edmonds entered the room good evening she said mrs bramlett is well i hope was her voice colder than usual how much of that last outburst had she heard ralph bramlett arose on the instant he could not talk platitudes with marjorie's mother he stammered some incoherent reply as to his wife's health and got himself out he hardly knew how into the night perhaps a wilder storm of pain and disappointment and rage never burned in human heart than that to which he gave free rein for a few minutes the only redeeming feature in it was that for once in his life he criticized his own actions he asked himself why he had been such a consummate idiot as to go to that house at all if he could not exercise common sense what insane spirit had possessed him to drag in his wife and say spiteful things about her to marjorie he might have known if he knew anything that no better way could be devised for making her withdraw her sympathy what had been his object in going to her in the first place in the confusion of brain which then possessed him he could not satisfactorily answer even that question he had felt impelled to seek her therefore he had done so it was a ridiculous idea and deserved to fail as ignominiously as it had marjorie edmonds was a fanatic of the fanatics on that entire question and he had always known it what was he about why should he ralph bramlett moon along after this sentimental fashion 
why allow himself to be persuaded and cajoled by any woman living he would do exactly as he pleased of course as any man of sense would what was marjorie edmonds to him she had chosen to toss him aside as of no consequence what right had she to try to tutor him now the fact was she had insulted him offering to take care of him while he could get a situation that suited her his face burned at the thought where would marjorie edmonds get her money with which to be so generous save of that insufferable maxwell who had spoiled his life didn't she know that he would go to the state prison rather than accept help of him by this time his mood of self-criticism had passed and it was once more other people who were to blame for all his misfortunes he tramped along that night passing once his sister-in-law whom he was to have taken home but he was on the opposite side of the street and she was in such earnest conversation with jack taylor that she did not notice him when at last he reached his private room once more the first thing he did was to sit down at his desk and write a formal acceptance of the junior partner's business proposition. End of chapter 11